of our campuses to the fifth week of our series entitled Winning Over Worry. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, man, each week. So excited. Baton Rouge and our Gulf Coast campus, Biloxi campus now, Bay St. Louis. And by the way, I want to welcome all those at our brand new week two West Esplanade campus. Come on, let's just welcome all those. Man, so excited. Had the privilege of being there with all of you guys last week. Well, I want to welcome all of us here at the Little Creek campus as well. We are in a series. I'm going to be finishing it up next week. And by the way, it's not too early to think about who you're going to invite to the Christmas Eve services. Uh, we've got them on Wednesday and Thursday. Again, you can go online, churchofthekingcom slash, uh, I think, Christmas Eve services. Got a whole bunch of services. Two times, very easy to invite people to church. Number one, Christmas Eve services. And number two, Easter. So we're talking about how to win over worry. Every single one of us, regardless of the situations that you're going through, regardless of the stage of life that you may be in, you're facing challenges. And here's what we found out. We found out over the last five weeks that worry does not help us deal with our challenges. Now, now I know worry lies to us. Here's what worry says to us. Worry says, if you worry enough, somehow, some way, it'll help you with that challenge. It actually happens in reverse. The more that you worry, it divides the mind. You remember that week one? It divides your mind. Watch this. It divides your soul. It divides your faith. It shuts down your higher critical thinking skills biologically. In other words, worry does not help us at all. We can win over worry. I trust over the last five weeks you've been hearing the scripture about how you can win over worry, that you can have a restful soul, that it is possible for us to live in peace. I love the scripture. In Psalm chapter 29, verse 11, it says, The Lord, this is so powerful, it says, The Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. How many of y'all grateful for the peace of Jesus? Come on. I am so grateful that we can live in the peace of God. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about the Prince of Peace. What does it mean when the Bible says the Prince of Peace? Oftentimes when we talk about peace, we talk about the peace of Jesus. I wonder if we understand really what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah meant when he said that Jesus is, watch this, two words, the prince of peace. The prince of peace. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but I know that at all of our campuses, if, if, if we were all honest, we could probably all say that there's maybe an area in our life, maybe two areas in our life. Maybe there's a different part of our life that we wish was a little bit different right now. The fact is, we can all say 2020 has been a year that's been totally different. I mean, globally speaking, people have experienced stuff that they've never experienced before. But here's the deal about the holidays. If you take 2020 and COVID and all that out of it, the holidays are really a wonderful time, but also a challenging time for some people. The fact is, some of you guys, this is a first holiday since you've had your mom that's passed away last year. 
And it's a little bit tough this year. Why? Because you're going to go through and you're going you're to have the singing and the, 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 the gathering or whatever. And, 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 and it's, it's just, here it is. It's just a little different. The reality is, is there's things in all of our lives that, that, that the holiday season, here's what it does. It, it magnifies. Those of you that are doing well financially, it's like, man, praise the Lord. I can't wait to bless people. I can't wait to. But those that are struggling, it actually magnifies the fact that you're not in a good place. Holidays have a place of a sense of magnifying, a sense of bringing out in all of our lives the things that are good, the things where we feel like we're winning, the things that we feel that we're grateful about. The fact is, the holidays can be challenging for everyone. I mean, just on a practical level, I, I was having a conversation with somebody even recently, and they said, Pastor, you know what we're going to do? I, we're going to have this, this giant Zoom Christmas opening present thing because, you know, we can't gather together, and that's a reality. Some people even challenge with that this year. And the fact is, is that we all have questions, and we all are grappling with things. Matter of fact, let me get real practical, even as we come into the new year. Some of you guys want to buy fireworks, but you still haven't figured out 30 years later whether it's actually legal in your subdivision. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, is it legal or is it not legal? I got to know this is the year. We all struggle with that stuff. It's like, and, and here's another one. You guys ready? Here, here's another one. Some of you guys are buying presents, and you're so excited that you're able to bless people with presents, but deep down inside, here's what you're also struggling with. You're not sure where that money's going to come from to pay for it when that bill comes in. That's a reality that people deal with. And that's why, by the way, that's why we've got to know the Prince of Peace this year like never before. By the way, all the stuff that's happening in culture, the political divisiveness, all the stuff in our culture, we as children of God need to know the Prince of Peace. We've got to walk in the Prince of Peace. We've got to walk in the power of the peace of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, let me give you just a little bit of backdrop. This is what is considered a prophetic scripture. Matter of fact, Isaiah primarily is a prophetic book. What do I mean by that? I mean by that the writer, Isaiah, he wrote it, and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, dealing with the day in which he lived, but also dealing with times to come. So in other words... Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 was a scripture about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was on the earth. And yet, Isaiah was describing the different names, some of the different attributes of Jesus. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You guys have heard this, whether a pastor, a preacher, a priest, growing up as a kid during Christmas time. This is a, a common verse, but it's describing different names and attributes about Christ. Listen to this. And I want to focus in on that last aspect. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. We sing songs with this verse. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name. Everyone say name. And his name shall be called. Five things. You guys ready? Here it is. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And what's that last one of the count of three? One, two, three. The Prince of Peace. I never forget as a young boy going with my family to Christmas Eve services. Aren't those cool Christmas Eve services? I mean, they're just powerful, man. It's just you kind of dress up and you and you come and we we have them at Church of the King and we'll have a whole bunch at all of our campuses and and I just distinctly remember that as a young boy. 
And there was something about that. We would dress up and, uh, and, and, and the, the pastor would, would lead and they would have different singing and, and then a, a short sermon. And, and, and then at the end, and then at the end, the candles. I remember as a young boy, we would light the candles. That's been a tradition in Christian churches for many, many years. And, and sing Silent Night. And, and I got to tell you, as a young boy, I can remember there was a certain sense of peace that was in my heart. It was just, it was almost like all of your problems are just kind of pushed out in that moment. And you could feel, you felt close to God. You felt like, man, God is right here in this moment among us. And you felt peace. For that hour and five minutes, that hour and 10 minutes, it's like everything was wonderful. The question is, can we feel that and experience that outside of that hour and 10 minutes? Are y'all with me? In other words, can we really in our family, in our marriage, with our kids, in our business, in a culture that is so ripped apart right now? In other words, can we really feel that peace? Can we really walk in that daily abiding peace in the presence of God that the Bible promises us? There's a calming sense that comes when we're, when we're living in the very peace and the presence of God. And by the way, do you know the angels, the angels that day? I love this time of the year, guys. Because as a pastor, I go back and I read the Christmas stories because I want to make sure to give you guys clean insight and, and, and scriptural revelation, how you can apply it to your life, in, in your family, in your walk with God, how to hear God. And So as a pastor, I go back, man. I go back to the book of Matthew. And I go back to the book of Luke, and, and I read the Christmas stories afresh. I've got a Christmas Eve coming up, and I'll be preaching six times. And, of course, all of our campuses will be tuned in together, and we'll be connected. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, as a pastor, it's like, you know, how can I say the Christmas story differently? Well, it's the same, but, yeah, I do believe there's aspects that we can emphasize. And this week I, I, I was reading, and there was something that really hit me. I mean, it really, really hit me. And it was this concept of peace. So here it is. In Luke chapter 2, I want to read this, and I want to share this with you guys. And I trust this word will really help you. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Watch what it says. Then the angel said, you guys know the scene, right? The heavens open up, and all of a sudden, there's from the heavenly host, there's a declaration from the angels, all right? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. It's almost like the shepherds saw in the field. The whole heavens opened up. Wouldn't that have been a powerful sight? It says they, they looked up and it was the heavenly hosts were there and they were praising God. And here's what they were saying. You guys ready for this? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Not when they get to heaven one day. Not when you've lived your 80, 90 or 100 years or however long. Not, not in the place where every tear is going to be wiped away. No, no, no. The angels didn't say that. The angels aren't talking about heaven right here. The, the angels are very clear. Glory to God. Don't miss this. 
I saw this this week like never before. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. In your home. In your family. In your relationships. Are y'all with me? Everybody say on earth. Peace on earth. I didn't say in culture. I didn't say in those that don't know God. But I'm going to tell you, if you know Jesus, the Bible says, and there's a promise, peace on earth. Not, not, not when you die and you go to heaven, but peace. It's possible. Pastor, is it possible to live in peace on earth in your heart? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Now, immediately, I know what some people think. Well, you know, pastor, that's people in the Bible. And after all, you know, they know they knew God real well. And they didn't deal with the challenges. I mean, they didn't deal with COVID. Hang on, time out. As radical and as painful as that has been in our culture today, do you really think that COVID-19 is the first thing that the planet has ever dealt with? Are you kidding me? Open Bible times, plagues and things and all kind of stuff. Matter of fact, think about Mary and Joseph. Just think about them and the time in which they lived. Mary and Joseph, well, they're, they're, young, they're young Jewish people. And all of a sudden, just think about this for a moment with Mary. Think about this. She's just going on her way. She's a young peasant girl in the Galilean region. And, and an angel of the Lord shows up. And here's what he tells her. He says that she is going to be impregnated by God, the Holy Spirit. She is engaged to Joseph. Betrothed. That's the Hebrew concept of engagement in our English culture today. Can you imagine when Mary has got to go tell Joseph what's up? Joseph, um, I, just sit down. I need you just to sit down. Just, just sit down. I got to share something with you. Are y'all ready? This is in the, everybody say, in the Bible. Okay, Joseph, I got to share this with you. Are you ready? Are, are you ready, Joseph? Here it is. Joseph. I'm pregnant. You're what? You're pregnant. Who's the dad? And she goes, trust me on this. It's God. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine what was going through his mind? And then, you know, as this young Jewish couple, there's a census going on down. They're in the Galilean region. They've got to go down to Bethlehem. So what do they do? They get on a donkey. And here's Mary. She's growing her. And everybody's stopping them. Oh, good to see you. Your wife's pregnant. Oh, I see. I bet you that baby's going to look just like you, Joseph. How I many you know there's all kind of crazy things happen when you're, listen, in pregnancy? How I many you know it changes everybody's world? I always love when a young couple comes up to me and they'll go, we're pregnant. I'm like, no, she's pregnant, but I get it. I got the big picture. I understand what's going on. I understand. I understand. I got it. Matter of fact, my, my wife, we have, we have four children. I, I'll never forget the first, our first child. We lived in Metairie in an apartment at the time, and I'm preaching to teenagers. And, and I remember she told me, she, she, she said, she goes, Steve, the baby's coming. So, man, we got the car packed. You know, we had this, the whole thing. And she goes, we got to get in the car right now. I'm like, okay. So we go to East Jefferson Hospital. And, and I'm like, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we've got this. She goes, hurry up. And of course, I had this little Honda CRX, like little Fred Flintstone. You got to run to get the car going. You know what I'm talking about. And so, and so we're, just, we're just rolling. And, and, and I can't get around this truck. 
I'm like, she goes, hurry, the baby's coming. I'm like, I'll deliver it. No, you won't. Just put it, just keep moving. So, so, so all of a sudden, we're, there's this truck behind, in front of us, three o'clock in the morning, almost so funny. We can't get around this truck. I'm honking. Next thing you know, there's about eight people that turn around and they're dressed in black from the top all the way, and they all have semi automatic rifles. Say, Pastor, what is that? It's the Jefferson Parish SWAT team shooting nutrias in canals. I don't even know if that's legal, but how many know that used to happen in the night? Are y'all with me? That happens at three o'clock in the morning. I just want to let y'all know that stuff. I'm like, honey, if I press on the gas, we'll be killed. We'll go to heaven immediately. We got to just stop. That had nothing to do with the message. But anyway, so... Mary and Joseph, they finally get down to Bethlehem. I'm talking about dealing with real problems, real people dealing and needing real peace. Don't tell me that the Bible doesn't relate to where we are today. Are you kidding me? Of course they deal with where we are. And then they get there and they need a hotel. So what does Joseph do? Goes to La Quinta, nothing. Hotel six, sold out. Oh, we'll go to Courtyard. That's upscale. Nothing there? Where do we go? Oh, we'll go to the inn. Huh. No doctors, no nurse, no epidurals, lady, no peace. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So the baby comes, baby Jesus. Guess what? Oh, the word is we've got to now leave because the crazy king, Herod, he's going to kill all the babies. I'm talking about a lot of challenges. So they got to go with the baby, the mom and the stepdad, dad, whatever you want to say, boom, goes down to Egypt. You talk about challenges. You talk about dealing with the reality. And, we, and let me tell you, problems are relevant, by the way. What may be a problem to you may be an opportunity somebody else may look at. Well, you know what? That's not a big deal. But everybody's got challenges. The question is, how do we live in peace? How, how do we live in peace in spite of what we're going through? I want to submit to you today at every one of our campuses, it's not just peace, but we've got to understand who the prince of peace is. We are not new agers. You know what new agers are? New agers, let's lower the music. Let's just put dark, just kind of lower the lights down. Kind of just meditate a little bit and clear the mind. Clear the mind. No, 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 no. We're not trying to get peace by way of a separate substance. We want to meet the author of peace. His name is Jesus. So who is Jesus? Who is this Prince of Peace? Among many other names, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in Greek. In the Old Testament, the word prince is the word sar. The word peace is the word shalom. Let's talk about those words for a minute. Sar, it's pronounced sar. Okay? Some would say ser, but sar. It means the one in charge Lord, chief, and general. The Romans actually used this word, czar. It became the word czar. It's where we got the word Julius Caesar. Or does that make sense? In a cultural sense, he was the one that was in charge, right? Caesar, he's the one in charge. Well, he's a lower king, but there's a king of kings. The Bible says the name prince actually means, it means 
the one in charge. So there's the one in charge, the architect of our life, the, 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 the creator of our life, the general over our life, but then there's this shalom. So it's sar shalom. Shalom means rest, means tranquility, means wholeness and completeness. Sar shalom. So, so you could say it this way. Jesus is the captain of my peace. He's the architect of my tranquility. He, he is the one that's in control. Watch this. He is the one in control of my wholeness. Wow. You know, it's interesting when you begin to think about the word sar shalom. Pastor, is it possible for me to walk in the peace of Jesus without submitting to the person of Jesus? The answer is no. I don't do a lot of marriage counseling. I'm not a great marriage counselor because I, I tend to get emotionally involved. And, you know, counselors, you need to be objective. And that's, oh, that's, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. You know, I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, man, you said what? You know, I just, just, I just get so involved emotionally because I'm a pretty passionate individual. And I never forget I was in this counseling thing. And I said, you know, they said, Pastor, can we ever have peace in our marriage? I said, well, the first step to peace is don't curse one another out and throw dishes. If you throw a dish at your spouse, it's not an advocate for peace. It's not, that's, that don't, you can't do that. In other words, in other words, a lot of people don't miss this. They want peace, but they don't want to submit to the, watch this, the architect. In other words, they want the, they want the benefits of Christ, but they don't want to submit to the Lordship of Christ. He's not just peace. He's not a, peace is not a separate commodity. It's connected to the King himself. And the way that we walk in the peace of Christ, the way that the whole world that's freaking out, that's going crazy around us, the reason why Christ followers can have peace is because we're submitted to the person of Christ. And he is the architect of peace. He's the one that controls our peace. He is the Sar Shalom. What I want to do is, I want to, before I close, I want to give you guys two things. What does it mean in our everyday life, Pastor? Two thoughts. If you're taking notes, write this down. What does it mean, the peace of Jesus? First of all, the peace of Jesus is the peace that comforts us. Some of you right now, you've got things going on in your life right now, man, that are just ripping at your soul. Big time. You need the peace of Jesus. You need it. Listen, you need to submit to the Sar Shalom because he's got peace for you. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Whose peace do I give, Jesus says. He says, well, it's my peace, my peace. And here's what's interesting about, about Jesus. He knows what's broken in you, and he knows how to fix it. You know, recently our dishwasher broke. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't really... I have gifts that are, don't lie in that area, repairman gifts. But I just told her, I said, honey, I'm going to figure this thing out. So I, you know, so I opened it up and I'm looking in there. You know, I really didn't know what I was doing. I wanted to impress my wife. And so I just had my phone. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what this thing is, you know. And I don't know. And I tried to start it again and shook it. And, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, I just went back and I'm like, honey, I don't know. You know, so I did what I always do. I call Pastor Randy. And uh, so he, because he's an engineer, I was just painting pictures in college. But anyway, so, and I'm like, man, what is wrong with this thing? You know, so finally we get a repairman out and, and, and I'm just like, I mean, and it was like a, it was like a process. Are y'all with me? 
It's like a major process. We want to fix this dishwasher. Want to get this thing because because this is a very I mean, when you it's a very important part to your life. Without one, you have no peace. You know what I'm talking about. So the dishwasher person comes in, and I happen to be there that morning. I said, and, and the guy goes, he's a cool guy. You know, he goes, oh, you know, and he looks down here and he goes, um, he goes, uh, oh, that's easy. It's the sensor, the sensor. That's it. I'm like, the sensor, that's it. So this whole thing is about a little thing called a sensor. He goes, yeah, that's it. This is easy. Like, oh, this is easy to figure out. I'm like, oh, it's easy to figure out for you because you work on sensors. I don't work on sensors. You work on sensors. You live in sensors. You live in Sensorville. And he was like, you, and, I, and I, again, he wasn't trying to be, but he's just like, oh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a sensor. Like, you're an idiot. You should have known that, Mr. Person who owns the house. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry about that. It's like my wife said, Steve, I pr- please don't ever lose your voice. I said, why? She goes, we'll go broke. You can't do anything else. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. She goes, what will we do? You have to throw papers. I don't even know if they do that anymore. But, <laughs> but the point is, the guy that knows how to do sensors knew how to fix it. Stop talking to people that don't know how to fix what's going on in your life. Are you with me? Stop giving yourself to people that don't. Are are you with me? Jesus knows exactly what's broken in your soul. He knows what's broken in your life. And let me tell you something. Don't spend all this time kicking. Listen, he goes boom right to the problem. Listen, the areas of brokenness, the areas of pain in your soul, the things. Listen, he he is the Sar Shalom. He brings the peace. Come on, how many of y'all grateful that Jesus? Everybody say, censor. No, don't do that. I'm just joking. You'll never forget that. You'll never, ever forget that. Number one, he brings peace to your soul. The second thing, if you're taking notes before I close, I just want to give you the second aspect. Jesus not only brings comfort and peace to your soul, but Jesus is the one who through his peace saves us. He saves us. He not only comforts us, but he saves us. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Don't miss what I'm about to say. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people are looking for the peace of God, but you can't have the peace of God until you're at peace with God. We need to be at peace with God. And we're not at peace with God because of our good works, because of our human effort. We're at peace with God by the grace of Christ and our trust in what Christ did for us on the cross. Bible says that we've been justified by faith and we've been made right with God. So I want to clarify something here. Pastor, how do I get the peace of God? The way to get the peace of God is you've got to be at peace with God. I can't get the peace of God because the peace of God is reserved for those who have submitted to Sar. Everyone say, Sar, Shalom. Again, you can't have Shalom without Sar, submission to Sar. You got to submit to the master. When you submit to the master, you get his peace. You can't have peace without submission to him. You can't have the peace of God without being at peace with God. And here's the problem. In order to be at peace with God, we've got to admit our need for God. 
You know, there is a challenge in our culture today. And the challenge in our culture today is this word called sin. We don't hear about it anymore. We just, ah, sin. don't, Don't say that sin. It's judgmental. Well, it's in the Bible. So when people sin, we don't call it sin anymore. We call it mistakes. I made a mistake. No, making a mistake is ordering a medium fry versus a large fry at McDonald's. Are you with me? Oh, I made a mistake, honey. I'm sorry. I know you wanted that large fry. No, 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 no. A mistake is you took a wrong U-turn. That's called a mistake. Are y'all with me? But a sin is a violation towards God and towards other people. So in other words, you can't be at peace with God until you admit that you've sinned against God and other people. Does that make sense? And so, Pastor, I want the peace of God. You can't get the peace of God until you're at peace with God. And you can't be at peace with God until you recognize that you've offended God. And I've offended God. Now, now I know that's radical preaching in America today. Because we don't want to talk about that. But the reality is we want that, but we don't want to deal with this. But you can't get that unless you own this. Let me give you an example. So I'm going to do a thing. All of our campuses, because we're dealing with this issue, pastor, is sin something that is inborn or is it an action? It's both. We were born fallen. We were born, the Bible says, at enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y, in opposition to God. We were born that way. And we need to be saved. We, We need the blood of Christ to wash us and cleanse us. And we've all sinned. I've sinned and you've sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. Say, Pastor, what does this have to do with the peace of God? We can't have the peace of God till we're at peace with God. And we can't be at peace with God till we own our sin. Uh, let me give you an example. All right, here it is. You guys, you guys ready? I'm going to do a quiz. I want everybody to raise your hand. I'm going to ask two questions. Here it is. Number one, how many of you at all campuses, I want to see a show of hands, would be honest enough to say that in your whole entire life, you'd be honest enough to say that you've lied before? Raise your hand. Okay, I've, okay some of y'all, okay, some of y'all are lying right now. You're not raising your hand. <laughs> You're at church, man. Golly. Whew. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let me do another one. Y'all ready? Here's another one. Here's another one. Okay. So we've acknowledged 95% of the people in here have acknowledged that they've lied before. The other 5% are real heathens. But anyway, so here we go. Number two, number two, how many of y'all don't miss this? How many of y'all would be honest enough to admit that you've taken the name of the Lord in vain before? Come on, would you raise your hand? Okay. Those of you that are not raising, you never stubbed your toe before. Come on now. And said, oh, okay. If you raise your hand on either one of those, you violated two of the Ten Commandments. Do y'all see that? I know I have. And when we recognize that we've sinned against God and we confess our sin and we see our need for a Savior. Matter of fact, let me give you this last scripture. I hope this is helping you guys. Listen to me. Listen, listen to me. Everybody in the world wants peace. But the way and the pathway to peace is submission to Christ. You got to see that. It's not independent. It's not a separate commodity. Yeah. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want everybody to hear me, sir, ma'am, your good works do not make you right with God. 
You're feeding the poor. That's wonderful. That's commendable. But your good works do not bring you into right relationship with God. Matter of fact, you can't do anything to bring you into right relationship with God. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior. You're brought into right relationship with God by the blood of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off. I know that was me. I was way away from God. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our what? Say it. Peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Who is our peace? Help me out. Who is our peace at all of our campuses? Our peace is who? Say it. Jesus. That's what you're looking for. But you're not, don't miss this. You're not looking for it. You're really looking for him. Because when you find him, you've got it. If you find it, it'll come and go. But if you find him, his peace will stay with you. How many are grateful for the peace of Jesus? His peace, his presence. Let me just say this. I want everybody to hear me. I like to use humor in my messages. I like to have everybody laugh and have fun. And of course, biblical truth. Because I know sometimes I'll deal with things that are a little bit painful. And I know that some of you guys are going through horrific situations right now. And you desperately need the peace of God. The first step of having the peace of God is recognizing your need for God. Here's my question. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Would you do that? Every one of our campuses, let's just come before the Lord right now. I just sense the presence of God. God loves you. God is for you. God is not against you. But let's pray right now. If you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Belonging to a church doesn't save you. Jesus says, but you've got to confess your need for Christ. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. And the moment you do that, the Bible says you're washed, you're cleansed, you're made new, and you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit to make you a new person in God. Question, are you at peace with God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands at all of our campuses. If you say, Pastor, I need Christ, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me new. I want to be at peace with God. If that's you, one Two, three, quickly, lift your hand up high so I can see it. Anybody in this place? God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you as well. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you guys right there. God, God bless you. God brought y'all here this morning as a family. God's working in your heart and your life. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you, buddy. Church, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray together. Man, this is the most powerful and important prayer we'll ever pray. I prayed this prayer 32 years ago when I was 19 years old. Oh, man, this is so important. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Come on, can we pray? Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live.
I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. And let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses here at Little Creek as well. If you prayed and trusted Christ uh, as your Savior, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's a card behind your chair. It's called Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill this out. Those that are online as well, let your hosts know. And here's what you do. This is so cool now at all of our campuses because we don't pass the offering buckets. It's super easy. On the way out, you just fill this out. You just drop it in one of those buckets up top or here. Why is that? I just want to send you a letter talking about what it means to daily follow the Lord and the amazing commitment you made to Christ. All right? How many of y'all received something from that message today? Did y'all receive something? I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Our prayer team is going to be here if you need prayer. I do want to say as well for all of our guests, if you fill out a guest card or those of you that are giving as well, real simple, you just put it in the buckets on the way out. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray the blessing of God over every man, woman, boy, and girl. Lord, we submit to Sar Shalom. We submit to you, the Prince of Peace, the architect of tranquility, the one who loves us and died for us and rose again. And as your pastor, every man, woman, boy, and girl, I declare favor over your life. I claim the promise in Psalms 5:12. May the favor and the blessing of God surround your life this day like a shield. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? Wow, what another incredible message from Pastor Steve on winning over worry. You know, Missy, it really was. And you know what I love about each week is that we get to come together as a church family. We get to worship together. Um, I know we're kind of challenged and encouraged by the messages that Pastor Steve brings. And let me encourage you with this. Take this week's message into your week. Don't let it end today. Maybe even go back in the middle of the week and, and listen to it again. Take what you learned. Take what God's speaking to you really bring it into your week. And I even encourage you to share it with others. That's right. You can also share it with us by emailing online at churchtheking.com. Let us know how these messages have impacted your life. You know, you can also email us your prayer requests and we'd love to pray with you. Yeah, we really do. And also you can always call us at the church office, 985-727-7017. We'd love to have a chance to connect and pray with you guys. So, hey, have a great day. We can't wait to be with you next week at church.